Hello and welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dahlman. Today we are continuing our mini-series of the state of housing in James City County. On the last episode, we talked a lot about individuals in our area who are experiencing homelessness. But at the end, we tried to remind everyone that all hope is not lost, that there are plenty of resources that are available for folks here in our community. Today, we are going to talk about those services and what people can do if they find themselves in that situation. Today, we're once again joined by Lauren Tolley. Lauren is the housing supervisor for James City County and Carrie Daniels. Carrie is a housing specialist for James City County. Welcome. Hi. Welcome. Hey, thanks, Renee. We're glad to have you and welcome back, Lauren, and welcome, Carrie. It's going to be a lot of fun, I promise. <laughs> All right. Well, Lauren, I'm going to let you take her away. Go for it. Awesome. Thanks, Renee. So before we get started today talking about housing and what happens when somebody uh, we we encounter experiences homelessness, um, I want to provide a little bit of background information about getting that person into shelter and housing. So that way our listeners have a better understanding of the processes that we're going to talk about. So first off, the James City County Office of Housing is part of what's called a continuum of care or a COC. And the COC is our regional planning body. It coordinates housing and services for funding so that way families uh, who are experiencing homelessness can access services. And it's not just our Office of Housing that's part of the COC. Most of our community partners and nonprofits are also a part of the COC as well. Uh, what's unique about our office is that we're tasked with being the fiscal agent for the Upper Peninsula area. So that encompasses James City County, City of Williamsburg, and Upper York County. Okay, well, we're not starting off slowly on this podcast. We are just jumping right into it. So that is a lot of information. Can you help break that down a little bit for us? So that means we must meet with our community partners on a regular basis at service coordination meetings and identify those that need housing and who are connected to housing providers. And we work to determine uh, who can best meet the needs of that particular client and what amount of funding will be needed. That sounds like a lot of responsibility and a lot of coordination. Yeah, yes, and we take our charge as being the fiscal agent very seriously. Uh, we firmly believe in practicing fiscal responsibility and conservation while working within the confines of the program and uh, funding guidelines. So how does it all play out when you are working with individuals who are experiencing homelessness? So the first thing that we want to do is make sure that those who are most in need are being served in the most expeditious manner possible. Um, and so one of the unique things about our office is that we function as an access point. And so this means that people can access housing in a few different ways. The first method that a person can access housing is through the housing crisis hotline, which we talked a little bit about last week. Um, and that agency then sends us a referral. We answer that referral within 24 hours, but most often within the same day. We meet with the person that day, we assess their needs in a way, and we try to be the least traumatizing when we assess their needs. Uh, this assessment provides an accurate understanding of their situation and their housing history. The second way or another way is that somebody experiencing homelessness can also walk directly into our offices rather than having to go through the housing crisis hotline or one of our community partners. Does the assessment identify any barriers that the person may have? 
it does identify the barriers. Uh, it asks a lot about their history, what happened to them in the past six months to the year. Um, but we don't try to rehabilitate the individual before we get them into housing. Uh, we always want to get them somewhere safe and stable where they can lay their head and not have to worry about what's going to happen next. That's and then going, once we, I'm sorry, because I remember that's going back to that housing first. Approach. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. So we work on those barriers after they're in housing. Um, and again, like that we talked about before, that is all part of being housing first. So what are some of those barriers that individuals are experiencing? So we kind of use the term barriers to describe a situation or circumstance that kind of prevents somebody from um, rapidly exiting homelessness and getting into housing. So we'll help with those barriers like past judgments or evictions. Um, and sometimes when the clients have income and assets, they even contribute towards addressing those barriers. Okay. Okay. Once the barriers are addressed, do the individuals go directly into housing at that point? Well, ideally, yes. Uh, we meet with the person or family on a weekly and sometimes even more frequent basis, depending on their needs. And we create uh, an individual service plan to work with them on their goals of achieving stable housing. And these are timelines in which the client is expected to obtain housing so that their stay uh, in shelter is not indefinite. Okay. What if, because I imagine this may happen periodically, what if somebody doesn't want housing? That's absolutely fine. We never force anybody to go into housing. Um, if the person chooses to not work on housing or is not able to achieve a housing goal within a realistic time frame, we look at alternative options that don't involve using our funding. Um, we want to help everybody, but we are also not a long-term shelter program, and our guidelines that we work in clearly state that the client has to be able to work towards a housing goal. Um, and so if the client ends up in this situation, we always look at diversion alternatives, and we also look at those diversion alternatives when we first do that assessment as well. And diversion means that we look at reconnecting them with their family of or origin or alternative living situations. And sometimes they let us know that they have a family member out of state who they want to reconnect with, or they have a coworker that they can stay with. Um, a lot of times we've had uh, people who are trying to help end up staying with coworkers, and that ends up being a really great long-term housing solution for them. Okay. So what happens after someone has identified housing and is working on their goals? What happens next? So there's lots of different types of housing available to those who are working on their housing journey. Um, we can uh, assist them with apartments, room for rents, efficiencies, roommate situations, and that's just a few uh, different opportunities. Um, all of these fall under the umbrella of a program called rapid rehousing. Okay. So tell us more about rapid rehousing. What's the purpose? It's, it's a short-term rental assistance service. Uh, the goals are to help people obtain housing quickly, to exit homelessness quickly, increase self-sufficiency, and stay housed permanently. It's offered without um, any preconditions in the housing first model, just like sh the shelter program is. Like um, We don't require employment, income, absence of a criminal record, or even sobriety. Um, the resources and services provided are typically tailored specifically to the needs of that family. Okay. So how do we know this? How do we know that this is something that is helpful? 
So rapid rehousing is not something new. Uh, we didn't uh, invent the wheel or reinvent it. Um, this is something that has been a solution for ending homelessness for a really long time. Rapid rehousing has been demonstrated to be effective in getting people experiencing homelessness into permanent housing and keeping them there. The purpose of this program is to connect people with the home. So once they're in a home, like we talked about in housing first, they're in a much better position to address other challenges that have led to their homelessness, um, such as obtaining employment or addressing uh, substance use. The intervention is also effective for people who are traditionally perceived to be much more difficult to serve, um, including those with limited or no income and survivors of um, intimate partner, partner or domestic violence situations. So how do we know this? So there is years and years and years of research from the National Alliance to End Homelessness and HUD that demonstrates that those who receive rapid rehousing assistance are homeless for shorter periods of time than those who are assisted with long-term shelter or transitional housing. Rapid rehousing is also proven to be less expensive and more cost-effective than other homeless interventions, such as that long-term shelter or transitional housing. The success of these programs, again, is always dependent upon the client, and the client has to participate in services for the long-term outcome to be successful. We always give people the tools, but they have to use those tools. Absolutely. So what if somebody currently has housing, but they are on the verge of losing that housing? Are there any services out there for them? There are. There, there is hope for um, everybody who has housing or who needs housing or is in a housing crisis. Um, and so for those people who are on the verge of losing their housing, they're what we consider um, at imminent risk. So that means within 14 days, they're going to lose housing. And we have a targeted prevention program. The purpose of this program is to provide temporary rental and mortgage assistance and then supportive services that are also related to housing and financial literacy issues for those individuals and families who are experiencing um, being uh, imminently at risk of losing their housing. The goal is to help them remain housed rather than being evicted. Absolutely. So how does someone qualify for, yeah, let me try that again. How does someone qualify for prevention services? So typically we require that the person has already gone to court and received an eviction notice. Okay. Part of this is because we don't know how the judge is going to rule, whether in favor of the property manager or landlord or the person who's living there. Um, and then additional qualifications include that the client can't be over a certain income range um, because we want to make sure that we're truly serving those most vulnerable and most in need of services. So after you provide assistance to the individuals or the families, what happens next? So once we assist with any of these interventions, our jobs not doesn't end there. There's case management and care coordination component to every service we provide. So tell me more about that. What's case coordination? What's all of that about? So our program coordinators work directly with clients to not only identify housing goals, but also to support them as they work towards financial stability and independence. Uh, we do this towards connecting them to our housing resource navigator, community resources, such as James City County's own care team, as well as through the Greater Williamsburg Outreach Mission and Community of Care Network. Um, our experience of research shows that when individuals and families in crisis feel supported and encouraged, that they are more likely to be successful in the long term. That is great. I, there are just so many incredible services that your office offers. And I know that we are just at the very beginning of this series. And 
I just, I can't wait until we continue to learn more. So before we get into the topic of the next episode, are there any closing thoughts you all would like to share? Um, I, I just want to continue to let people know that, like you said, we do have so many services and so many options for people who are housed, who are precariously housed, or who are experiencing a housing crisis. And so um, while it sometimes is hard to reach out, please reach out, please let us know, please contact us. And even if we can't help, we have amazing housing specialists who will be able to connect that person to a community support network or to a resource that can help them. That's wonderful. All right. Well, once again, thank you both so much for coming on to the podcast. Such a great information that we are providing. I'm so happy we're doing this. Can you give us an idea, Lauren? What can we look forward to in episode three? Yes. So in episode three, you'll uh, probably see Carrie again, and you'll also see one of our other housing specialists. We're going to be talking about the transition from rapid rehousing into our voucher housing programs. And so it's not just one voucher. There's all different types of vouchers that we have. They serve all different types of populations and needs of uh, residents in James City County. And there's so much information about that. And I'm so excited for our coordinators to share with you their expertise on this subject. All right. Well, I am very much looking forward to it. So once again, thank you both so much. Well, Thanks, that Renee. Wraps, well, that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, please take a moment to go online and subscribe. That way you will never miss an episode. And while you're there, go to our website. We're at jamescitycountyva.gov slash podcast. And while there, you'll find all of our shows as well as a form. You can complete that form, give us comments, critiques. We would love to hear from you. So once again, thank you so much. And we will talk with you next time.